everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. We're not blizzards, I will say it again. We're not blizzards, we are not even rain. We are human and that is why I'm able to freely sing and talk about multiple things. On this episode, two people will speak, have a conversation and maybe there'll be... Some realizations, or maybe we'll learn nothing. Still, we are human and we can sing. That's debatable. Arguably, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I am the host. I am the host. I'm taking this over. I am the host for like 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whenever you're listening to this. Whether it's 2019 or 2020 or 2099. Whenever you're listening to this, I am the host for this once. And with me, I've got Richard Simpson. Hello. <laughs> so, Richard Simpson. Yes. You, you are from a show called War Not Wizards. I am. And um, on your blog recently, talks about calling previews adverts. I did, yes. That's I... kind I mean, there was a lot of other stuff in there. It was about being paid for reviews and everything, but I wanted to kind of come up with this thing. Like, let's say I, right now, mm-hmm. I give you £5 and I say, okay, Richard, I'm going to give you £5 if you say to everyone, Kitty Cataclysm is the best game in the world. But Kitty Cataclysm is the best <laughs> game in the world. Thank you for the fiver. <laughs> Thank you for the fiver, which I must point out, this is a paid presentation. <laughs> That's all. So, I'm, that's all I'm talking about. So, are you basically saying that you can say whatever the hell you want? You can take the money, but you've got to see at the point. This is paid. This is an advert. Is that basically your your thing, or is there more to it than that? I guess my point was is that um, games have a uh, board game media has a has a strange relationship with money at the moment, in that we are currently still finding our feet and that we are it's funny because we're in like a we're kind of like in all fairness we're in like some kind of passion project yeah a lot of people a lot of people get into the get into the industry or get into gaming because um, it's a hobby that they have fun with and then after that a lot of people think well I'd like to Show my appreciation by creating content, or I'm so involved in the and so involved in this. I'd like to do some reviews, and some people get into the kind of the review, preview, talking, creating media space for various different reasons. And some of them, you know, are quite honestly because they'd like to get potentially free copies of the game. Other people are actually interested in taking it a bit further than that and actually start to talk about the games but one of the things is we're such a young industry we're still a bit embarrassed about asking for money so we go in a no. big we go in a big roundabout way of potentially asking for money for creating the content and I think as I said in the blog it's really really, really easy Bez for anybody to create content I could effectively teach 15 sure, to 20 people how to create a podcast it's, um... 
you say it's easy, but I could say by the same token, oh, it's easy to um, make make a milkshake or to stand behind a counter and sell stuff at Tesco. It is. But the point is that you've still got to do it. I mean, we are all human, and whilst we all have different aptitudes, and I'm not going to say, you know what, there are some people who can stand up, who have problems with that. They maybe couldn't work behind the counter in certain situations, because some peop- some companies, like Whole Foods Market, they don't let you sit down. They're a bit... Um, it's not the best work environment, frankly. And um, by the same token, I could say, oh yeah, anyone can make games, anyone can do this, but everyone's doing it in their own way. And you're making a type of podcast that, well, I do an internet radio show where I have a blether with MMA, and I've had MMA from Quirk on, and you've had MMA from Quirk on, and we've both been talking to him about different things in our own ways. But it is all different. And so saying, oh, it's easy to do X, I think trivializes the unique thing that everyone brings to anything creative. Because no, I think it's easy. I think it's easy to to create. I don't think it's... I think there's a difference between being competent enough to create something that's well and a lot and to put the work into it. The ability to actually be able to, to to kind of buy hosting to host a podcast and to record something, and sometimes that'll be terrible. And the sound—I mean, our first episode was a a mumbling mess. The the <laughs> chat was good, but the sound levels weren't weren't very very good at all. What I'm not saying is I'm saying it's easier than ever for somebody to to basically get their phone, pick up whatever game they want, talk about it for ten minutes, and stick it on YouTube and create a, a channel. Um, the people that take it further, that then go back and you know, six months later, they're 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 um, they're purchasing kind of software to allow them to do editing. The people that um, watch YouTube videos on Audacity on how to do compression. The people that um, that you know that um, ask their friends to read the work before they publish it. You know, this is. Or sometimes know, it's just a case of being mindful and having something good to talk about. Yeah, like I mean. Mark Rosewater does the drive to work, mm-hmm. and I would rather listen to Mark Rosewater talking about design than some, some random person, with all due respect, who's not been published, talking about design, because I'm more likely to trust them. And, you know, even though, we, okay, you've got this whole thing about magic, but they do know what they're talking about to some degree. You're shaking your head. <laughs> I'm not shaking. I'm. 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 I'm not. As whenever anybody mentions the the magic, the magic kind of word, I had difficulty kind of dealing with that side of things. What I'm saying is that people will get to people will get to a point where they're investing a lot of time and a lot of their own money because putting a podcast together takes time. It takes about four hours an episode. Yeah, putting a YouTube video together. Once you're, you know, I hate to think how long people like Paul Grogan take to put a video together or Rodney Smith takes to put his video together. I mean, that must run into, run into days kind of thing. But they, I mean, they're unusual that they're not, they're unusual that they're paid. Yeah. What I'm saying is that we have a difficult relationship with money as an industry at the moment. And there's, yeah, I mean, there's too many definitions of what, constitutes as a 
as a preview and there's people that um there's people that um that kind of have different definitions of what they denote as a preview and with it, with all these varying definitions of what is a preview compared to what is a review there's an awful lot of muddy water out there and what that does is that um confuses well, it confuses consumers of it, is it because you do have people who do get paid for reviews i mean you do have Lance Undead Viking who is happy to take money for reviews and Lance actually said on that show, which you linked to, hey, everybody, I would encourage everybody to ask the publisher for money for the review. And that is one person's opinion. So there, the argument isn't even, is it a review or is it a preview? It's just, hey, I'm going to talk about this thing. And as long as I like it, I'm happy to talk about it and accept your money. And there we go. I'm going to talk about why I like it. I just reckon that if people are going to be doing that, then they should be saying what it is, what it is, which is an advert. Mm. I mean, a lot of people do, they get a, I mean, it, it enters, as I say, it enters into a grey a area. And my, my whole point in my piece is we're so, we're so insular. We're such a snake kind of eating its own tail that we're relying. So is your point that fundamentally it's that word and you want to have a spade be called a spade and you feel like people should be like this is an advert because I think that Lance does have at the start of their thing this is like a pre paid promotional piece I think that's what they say yeah I know and if it's a critique then how are you meant to take that critique seriously regardless well, of you regardless of you're saying to somebody I am a very very trustworthy kind of it's person it's a difficult thing because I've gotten free games that I didn't ask for. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've gotten some games that I swapped for, some games I paid money for, Yeah. and then I think it was actually one of the first games that I got was because I did a review of um, King Brick. I don't know if you know King Brick. It's yes. The yeah. And so that's a fantastic game. And then the two people who made it said, oh, we read your review of it on Board Game Geek. We really appreciated it, and we want to give you this copy of our new game. Mm -hmm. And so they gave me a copy of the new game, and I read through it, and I wasn't that excited to play it. And I'm not saying it's a bad game, but my relationship with games has also changed quite a lot now. Yeah. Because back when I first went to UK Games Expo, I had, I don't know, like five games, something like that. And now I've got... Um, 200, maybe 300 games. I don't know, I've lost count. And it's gotten to the point where space is actually the limiting factor. I need to get rid of lots of things and I'm going to be heading out of the country in a couple of years. So I really shouldn't be taking anything regardless of how much it costs. But um, to get a game, it's going to have to be a lot more unique and a lot more exciting for me to even care enough to play it let alone be passionate enough to review it. And let's say someone was paying me to give my opinion. I believe that I can do that as a playtester because I have done that on a professional basis as a developer. Playtesting is fine. That's different. That's a different service. But, well, but at the same because what I'm saying is a playtesting thing is you're giving feedback directly back to the creator of that game. So, for instance, agreed, if Tom, if Tom say, Redwell approached me and said, listen... 
could you, if I give you X amount of money, will you go through my game and tell me its approachability, what it's like with the rules, how the mechanics work? Then that would be a relationship between me and Tom, and it would be a financial relationship, and that would be almost like a consultancy job. Well, let's say you were asked to also share that information with everyone in the world, because the gamesmiths have a consultancy where you pay them, and they do Mm playtesting, and it's very clear that this is not necessarily the final thing, but then if it's a good game, then that is going to be potentially some quotes that you could say, hey, look, those people really liked it, even though it wasn't finished. Yeah, but then in that case, if it was something like the gamesmith, it would be going back to the original article and you would get the full context for the article as well. Look, in terms of like Kickstarter, people are going to take the best lines that they can get and use that in the Kickstarter. I can't imagine anybody putting a mediocre line, you know, if somebody said to to something, well, it's kind of, this is <laughs> fundamentally a good game, but there are some key issues which I have concerns over. I mean, um, you're never ever going to have a negative kind of soundbite on a Kickstarter campaign and at the same time um, it's the same with the previews type of thing you know, don't get me wrong I don't have an issue at all with somebody putting a preview together putting in a you know, kind of putting a preview and saying well this is what I think of things so far because it's subject to change because it might be subject to change Um, not an issue at all with that at all, if there if there's if it's a if it's a preview with if the money's been paid, then that's fine. But again, I think it's such a grey area that we just need to say this is an advert, <laughs> this is a paid presentation. I don't know why I don't know why we're running away from that. It's money. I mean, we don't call, you know, when when they're advertising a new car that's going to be released later in the year, they don't call it a paid preview. It's an advert. I don't know why as an industry we're kind of shying away from money. And this is because it comes back to where we've all came from, so which is usually a love and a passion. If I want to kind of summarise your opinion, mm-hmm. just to make it clearer for me and also anyone listening, but because I think the water's being muddied a little bit. So are you basically saying that you're happy for people to take money or accept things as long as they then say this is an advert? Because you look at Top Gear, I mean... Any car that they put up there, that's going to be massive for whatever car they feature. I don't know whether... Yeah, but then, yeah, but then the, the money and the funding for different things comes from different revenue streams. Yeah? The issue with the board game industry is, we're a, as I said, I said quite clearly, is that we're a snake kind of eating our tail here. Is that the pool of money is coming from an internal source as opposed to an external source. Do you know what I mean? So it's like the the problem with the pool of money at the moment, right, is that it's not coming from anywhere else except publishers, bands of a show, and that's kind of it. Yeah? If I say, for instance, okay, if I... Um, well, where else would you suggest that the money comes from? External sources. I mean, other places that can be happy to advertise to the demographic. But this is where we get into the trouble is that board games as a media isn't big. It's not huge. So what do you do then? Because if you've got, okay, if you've got related stuff like terrain, then that's mm. kind of stuff that you should be reviewing and you might kind of muddy your opinion of anyway. And if you've got um, something like, okay, settled all paints, mm-hmm. then 
does that mean that you like it? But you made the point of what Geeky Gamer Leaf, yeah, um, and how they have that bit at the start where it says this is what it is, and then you listen to Board Game Design Lab and they have um, you know a paid bit at the start where it says this show has been sponsored by yeah. ah, and then it's like okay, well presumably. Um, Gay Barrett has checked them out and they're not absolute arses, do you know what I mean? But I'm not going to take my, I'm not going to assume that Gabe is saying these are the best people, but like presumably there is a little bit of association like if you they have were... A, well you have an advert, you have a bit of an advert filter <clears throat> that's what you have yeah. Because you hear that it's being paid by these people Yeah. and what you're saying is that you want to have people um, get paid from other folk? Well, I mean, what would be wrong with, say, you know, if it got to the point, and this is where, as I say, at the moment, we're too small for who we are and, and trying to attract it, is that we are at the beginning and we've also not got the history with other hobbies in terms of how they grew the revenue, is that, there wouldn't be anything wrong with saying, you know, this episode of We're Not Wizards is sponsored by, you know, Bez. Harry Harry's Razors. This Harry's episode, Razors, fine. You know, you know what I mean? This this episode. And shave of, off your wizard beard. Exactly. You know that Don't kind be of a thing. Wizard. But that would be that would be an external you know, source of that would be an external source of to, income. Um, you know. The party game cast called um, yes, an old podcast that used to be called the Party Game Cast, featuring the Party Game Cast. Hmm. Podcast about party games and games you take to parties. Anyway, so I paid them, I think it was like 20 bucks. It wasn't very much. It was basically to get them to say a thing at the start of one of their shows for mm-hmm. about 30 seconds. Mm. And I don't think I got anything actually, any extra Kickstarter backers. This was done during my first ever Kickstarter mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. In a Bind. And as you say, it's very clear, and I think that's maybe your point that you need to have, but you can't have money coming from outside sources until you have reached that level of audience. And I paid them firstly because they were clearly the correct target folk, mm-hmm. and secondly because I believed they'd got an, enough of an audience. Yeah, and so. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong either with being paid by other people. Like, let's go on to Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you've got your Patreon. Yeah. And how is that doing for you? It's the same as most people's Patreon. It's not a. It's a. It's ideally works for a platform where there's, you know, a decent number of Patreon backers. A lot of people that I know that are using Patreon are usually supporting other people on the Patreon platform. It's a great... I know of people that are doing really, really well on Patreon. Um, I know a lot of people that have a Patreon that are cramming out work kind of left, right and centre to add additional value to the Patreon. So I know of people like, you know, you see, I see them all the time. They're constantly releasing additional posts pre-release shows and everything like that at all and um, the one thing that puts me off something like Patreon 
And it's good and it's, you know, it helps with, you know, keeping the wolf from the door and stuff like that. I really, really appreciate everybody that backs us. But um, there's that kind of strange relationship with Patreon where you feel that you have to be producing extra content to your Patreons, which again mm. kind of then eats into your time. So it's ending up like people are supporting you, but then you feel under pressure to produce additional extra things for these people because they are supporting you, where the reason that they supported you in the first place was so that you could do kind of extra things almost for everybody, not necessarily extra things for the people that are supporting you. So I got a love, mm. I've got a love-hate relationship with Patreon. And, ag and again, I guess the point you're getting into is if you... <laughs> How do you remain impartial if potentially some of your backers on Patreon are people that you might have other relationships with in terms of the industry? So, for instance, if, um, say, Janice, who was on the show the other day... Yeah, if she Janice was a, Turner yeah, from if she, Games. Yeah, if, if she was a Patreon backer um, on, you know, for the show... Um, if she's then asked to us to kind of do a quick write up of sensor ghosts, is that then a paid preview? And do I have to declare that? And 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 you know, is would Janice be happy if I declared that you know that they were backing us on through the Patreon campaign? And it's a, again, it's a whole kind well, of muddy water. You shouldn't kind of be scenario. unhappy because I mean, there is a possible conflicts of interests and I was thinking a while back of kind of starting some like I've actually been revisiting the idea and I might actually start some reviews and mm. um, one in 4C one in English as a way to kind of actually practice 4C as a language which I think might be quite fun but a while back I was saying to Alan Paul hey what if I did a whole bunch of like two minute reviews, mm. like first impression type thing. And how would you actually feel if I said, Oh, by the way, this is Alan Paul's game. This is why I'm biased about it. And I spent two minutes slagging it off. And because Alan Paul is basically a friend to me at this point. Yeah. And then there's a bit of, Oh, would that be okay? Do you know what I mean? And I'm, I would all, I was almost going to start every single episode of this in my mind, in my kind of having planned this out in my head thing, spend the first 10 seconds say, I'm biased about this because X, Y, and Z. Like, follow me, the game after King Brick, I would say, I'm biased about it because Ollie and Gary gave me this game for free and I felt like I possibly owed them something because they, mm. this was the first game that I just got given for free. Um, and so knowing that kind of thing puts things into context but then it's also down to the reviewer to divorce things so like then you get into things like um, Michael Heron from Meeples Like Us saying that the play count is almost a red herring because I could play a game once and then think really deeply about it and come to some great insights or I could play a game a hundred times and not really think about it at all and possibly write a worse, less insightful review. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's it's as I say, it's a it's a horrific minefield, and it also um, 
it also kind of um it doesn't help with consumer confidence as well you know and and what i mean by that is um if you don't have an industry standard as to what a certain thing is in video games even though it's a, it's a as i said it's a horrible horrific mess of a media at the moment um there's always been there's not there's never been such an emphasis kind of put on previews for stuff in the board game industry and this is beca- i think this is because of kickstarter there's a huge amount of weight that's put on a preview in terms of in terms of video games usually a preview if they were talking about say they did E3 recently which was full of previews and that was just look here's the here's the games that are coming up yeah, yeah i think it's a really unhealthy situation because we there is so much coming out there is so many more games than any person can possibly play mm-hmm. so why are we so focused on what's around the corner when we could be celebrating what's already here. I mean, I remember looking at an issue of Tabletop Gaming Magazine, and they're actually quite good there. Yeah. Because I looked through and I think like maybe more than, I can't remember how many pages, but like a good portion of it, um, like at least nearly close to half, was um, about games that hadn't even come out within the past um, month, like, or year they were like games from a couple of years ago or games from like 10 years ago or whatever and just saying hey here's a feature about a game that came out um last year and here's how it was made hey here's a feature about ticket to ride and how that all worked and they had a thing about hive which has been around for yonks mm-hmm. and they've got the whole oh the spiel the yaris that james wallace writes from like 20 years ago or whatever and that's really healthy, I think, because constantly doing here's a preview of something, get excited about it. It's building into that fear of but missing it's getting, out. No, it's getting it's getting kind of traffic and it's getting kind of it's getting kind of hits, and it is an issue that, as I say, kind of being involved in the video game industry, that it is inherently bad in the video game industry, and the fact that publishers will release code or review code to to media people kind of two, three weeks and sometimes in less time in order for them to fully evaluate and review a game. And um, so you'll sometimes see on video game websites, they'll say, I'm sorry, but we've had to withhold our review of this game because we simply haven't had the time to kind of play it, play it through. Um, and there's always a mad scramble for people to... As soon as there's like a new hotness, there's a mad scramble for people to be creating content in order to get kind of, to get views, to get clicks, to hopefully collect more people who are willing to potentially kind of fund them. And um, that ends up again kind of exacerbating the situation quite simply because you end up with very, very talented people who could be doing more thoughtful, creative, and wonderful things, settling for mediocrity, settling for a very quick kind of video. There are some people who rise above that. I mean, no, you know, no pun included. No pun included. Um, always, 
just seem to, you know, every time I watch the video, they're always inventive, they're always kind of trying something different. But you see, there's too many videos with somebody just sitting in front of a box, a wall of games, just going through the same thing again and again and again. And that's sometimes down to time because they need to get the information out on the new hotness out as quickly as possible. And it's also down to the funding as well, because no, pl- no pun included, they're funded through their Kickstarter campaign. Their season is funded, so there's less of that pressure. But at the same time, you know, they started off and Elaine and Efcod, they yeah. were doing it off their own backs and they were losing lots of money. But I think that it gets to the point where you've got to say, you know what, I'm not going to be embarrassed about asking for money because I've got a mentor now, Anna Maria Jackson Phelps, yeah. and she's all about marketing and stuff. And I was actually having a wee chat earlier today and saying, you know what, um, UK Games Expo for me was financially very disappointing. Yeah. I Emotionally, I had a great time. And I got to do a couple of talks. People told me they enjoyed the talks. I got to demo my games to lots of people. I saw people loving my games. That was all great. But last year, I uh, basically, with I made more money in terms of gross last year than I made this year. I made a couple of mistakes. I'm going to learn from that. And I've got to also think, you know what? Grabble, it's a short playtime. Wibble, you can get people involved in the game anytime you want because you can ha- start off with two people playing and then jump in with a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, mm. seventh. Mm. Whereas Kitty Cataclysm, it's a great game. Everyone was loving it, but you can't have people jumping in halfway through. And even though it's a quick 15-minute game at most, it's still not quite as quick to demo and get people through and Sorry, this sounds horrible, but to churn through those people that you're doing the demos of, because to a certain extent, I want to say, you know what, I am going to this convention to reach as many people as possible. Yeah. And I do have to make business decisions like, okay, you know what, my stock table, instead of being at the back, on Sunday, I brought it to the front. And then I had signs for everything really clear this is the price rather than have it on a wall at the back yeah, like I'm a bit yeah. embarrassed by it have it at the front this is the price have someone standing there saying hey all the demo tables are full but I can give you a quick 10 20 second run through of any of these games and people were actually buying some of the games based purely on just hearing about them yeah which is brilliant and yeah the games are cheap enough to do that but you need to make these business decisions and sometimes you can't be embarrassed to make some money, do you know what I mean? And I think that's the thing, that too many people are saying, oh, I'm embarrassed to make money. And I'm not saying everything has to be a money-making venture, but you do have to say at some point, okay, either you're doing it and saying, I don't care about money at all, which is seems to be pretty much what you're doing, or and you have like your Patreon backers as some sort of validation, essentially. Or you say, you know what, I am doing this for the sake of making some money. Yeah, I think, I mean, and one of the most important things for the entire industry is setting a level standard so that we're not giving um, people reason to question our validity um, as well as people who are providing criticism or critique or guidance 
or as I often say that sometimes people are just looking for reassurance that they're making the correct Mm. buying decision as well that you know they will go to a no pun included video they will go to look they'll go and watch Luke Hector they'll go and watch Michael May they'll go and listen to 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 Mike Barnes at Who Dares Rolls they'll listen to the boys at Polyhedron Collider you know they'll check the guys at you know they'll check everybody at like Unlucky Frog and hear what they're saying they're playing because sometimes it's kind of Unlucky Frogs don't really do reviews they, they kind of do talk about what they're up to but again they're talking about they talk about um, a lot of experiences as well that they're having. So if they're That's talking true. about, and they talk a lot about... When Josh talks about the latest Magic the Gathering set, mm-hmm. um, it's not about, hey, here's my thoughts of on it, I'm doing no. a review. It's just, hey, here's a quick bunch of thoughts, here's a thing I've experienced, and maybe it's of interest to you. Do you- it's, it's anecdotal, and it's, there's an emotion attached to it. Um and again, there'll be people be listening who'll be sitting on the fence about whether or not they're going to pick up that latest deck and listening to somebody like Josh will, um, will spurn them on to go and kind of buy it um, or go and pick up the kind of the latest set. But my, I guess my point was is that um, standardization of what we define as certain levels of critique is, is vital if we're going forward, because um, there's a there's as I say in the piece, there's too much confusion. There's too many grey areas as to what is what is a what is a paid preview, what is a paid review, what is a you know. So then you end up with people assuming that if somebody if somebody says they're doing a preview and they do a really really good job and they say they absolutely love it, then you can lead to accusations of somebody saying, "Well, you're only saying that because you're getting paid." Because if you go and look at another channel, all they are doing is they're doing paid previews, but they're not, you know, they're either saying they're paid um, or they're not claiming they're paid, but they're they're advertising that they do paid ones. And this is, you know, this is the great um, review. Conversely, be- like you've got a weird situation like Forrest Bauer from Bauer's Game Corner, hmm. who I really enjoy their stuff because they don't just... Um, review the latest things they sometimes actually review weird games that they picked up in charity shops Mm -hmm. and they review things like munchkin that basically no one else reviews but um forrest bauer if someone sends them a game then they for whatever reason they've basically said you know what it's too shitty for me to give a negative review of something that's just about to come out on kickstarter i'm not going to do that so i'm going to if i I'm not fully 100% behind the game. I'm going to just call it a preview and not really give my opinions at the end, which is a weird thing to do, but that is kind of... Def- I mean, that is kind of what a preview is. It's kind of like, here's an initial glimpse of it. It's yeah. a view of it before yeah. it comes out. Yeah. Whereas a review is, here's my opinions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I mean, you, I mean, everybody's guilty of saying like what their first impressions kind of were of something. Um, you know, again, this is why we need to be saying if somebody's like saying doing a preview and they're getting paid for it, then they're better just saying they're running an advert because <laughs> it educates the consumer, so they can go through. And there's some people that like particular people's styles and stuff like that as well. I love Luke Hector's kind of videos. 
because he's very dry-witted, but he also says exactly what he thinks about something. So I find, you know, sometimes I find him absolutely kind of like hilarious to kind of, to listen to, because some of the stuff he says, you're like, oh, that's a bit, bit sharp, Luke, but at least, you know, you know, he's quite willing to kind of be very honest and very kind of, um, kind of quite cutting about certain things that he does and he doesn't like, and some people would say he's over, overly negative. On the other side of it, if you've got a reviewer and all they're doing is saying one positive thing after another about a game. How are you educating the consumer? How are you stopping the consumer from going out and I mean we're not talking about we're not talking about somebody reviewing crisps here. We're not talking about somebody paying, you know, seventy five pence or a pound on a packet of crisps and then somebody sitting there and, and saying, Alright, uh, you know, these are the best crisps I've ever had. These are people that are laying down sometimes forty, fifty quid on a game. And if we like not, in the example not, of Gloomhaven, it's like hundred and forty. Exactly. But at the same time, if nobody is reviewing bad games, how are we meant to improve? How are designers meant to know? You know, if you, have you if read you, uh, Michael Heron's review of Monopoly? It came out today. I haven't. I haven't had time to buy his bookmark to go and no, to go and take a look at I, it. I had a quick look, you know, when I got up and I was, you know, I'm not going to lie, I was sitting down in the loo. And then I had a quick look and read through half of it, and then I oh read through days. half of it after, after I'd done my stuff. But like, it was a really good review. And it was like, okay, this is why Michael doesn't like this game. Mm-hmm. And we can, as Michael says, calibrate a sense of Michael's opinion. Like, this is what Michael doesn't like in a game. Um, Scrabble is what Michael does like. So we've got some sense of Michael as an opinion parader, someone who parades their opinion around. That's what I'm going to call it, reviewers from now on, opinion paraders. That's what I mean. I mean, if you're, if you're somebody that, you know, they, um, you do nothing but positive reviews and you get people that do nothing but, I only ever review good games because I'm only ever going to take um, spend the time reviewing good games, then I'm not being funny here, but why are you doing this then? Why are you even reviewing games if you're only willing to review good games? Why, aren't, If you're so dedicated to your listening public, if you're so dedicated to the people that are supposedly in some many ways are funding you, why are you refusing point blank to warn them of games that are going to waste their time, are going to waste their money, are going to give them a necessarily bad, to ex- bad experience? I'm going to say the opposite But like, let's say... it. Okay, so there were, I don't know, 4,000 games. It's definitely more than 10 a day that were released last year, okay? Mm-hmm. And so if I'm to warn you of things that I don't think you should particularly buy, I'm going to have to, you know, do a ridiculous number of reviews, more than anyone would be willing to watch. Whereas if I just tell you about the top five experiences, like the top few experiences I've had gaming-wise the past the since the past start of the year, the one thing that you can actually buy, um, because the other three aren't yet released, is Art Deck by Hologramatio. It's a borderline game. I mean, the win condition is kind of ludicrous. You mm-hmm. just all make marks on bits of paper, and yeah. it's got like three instructions. So it might say draw circles. Number two might say over and over. Number three might say as quickly as you can. Uh, or and then the next person changes it to draw circles over and over worse than the person before you, 
And so you're all communally building up this picture until someone plays the card that says, sign your name. They steal the art, they sign their name on it. And then together you make a bunch of pictures and then you have fun because you're literally drawing with bits of food Hmm. or drawing weird shapes and getting in each other's way and doing funny things. And it's all about the experience because that's what games are. And if I tell you, as I've just told all the Warnock Blizzards listeners, that, hey, this is a game that I would encourage you to try at least once and to then I've done something of value. But let's say I've said, hey, this game, it's not worthwhile. Don't bother with it, Game X. Well, what have I done there? I mean, at that point, you know, I've not told you to do anything. I mean, I guess I've warned you away from something, but were you going to buy it anyway? Do you know what I mean? Unless as, ben, you... as, ben Mad- as Ben Maddox says, your duty is to the consumer who is trusting you to help them spend their money. If you're not, if you're not willing on occasion, I think there should be a mix. I mean, it's like um, Edge magazine, and I keep referring to video games. I used to write. Um, Edge for magazine is video. a really. I have lots of respect for the writing because I I have you know, and I know people that have written for it. Um, but I used to write, you know, kind of video game kind of reviews off and on. And I used to really, really like, do you know, to tell the truth, I used to really, really like writing about the crap, crappy games. I used to really have an awful lot of fun writing about how certain games were absolutely terrible and they're never, ever going to be worth your time. Uh, And the reason for that, you know, as I say, is Ben... Going back, Ben Maddox says, your duty is to the person that's, play, that's paying the money. Your duty isn't to the publisher. And I think, as I say, yeah, and again, it's, I don't know. I guess it comes it's a, down it's an to, issue. It, should everyone be getting money for everything? I mean, no. I don't think, yeah, I, I think we're both agreed there. And I don't want to be thinking about everything as a source of getting money. I started a Patreon recently. I yeah. don't know if you've seen it. Um, like I basically, it's um, the idea is that I I'm doing a bunch you. of pictures, and then one of these pictures is being picked as the best picture, and mm. then next month I draw another eleven pictures based on the one that was picked as the best. So mm-hmm. the first time around, I drew a variety of abstract art. Um, a naked lady in an ice cream cone, a woman like with orange hair holding a teapot and a cat. And basically the cat was the most popular. And so next month I'm going to draw 11 things based on that and then it'll get more and more self-referential. And so what mm. I wanted to do, to be honest, is kind of do something where I've got some sense of validation like this actually means something. And right now I've got one Patreon so that's actually a person that I know they put in a pound and it feels like, okay, actually, at least one person cares about this thing that I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because as a society, I think there's kind of two problems. One of which is that if we are not getting money for something, we don't feel like what we're doing has any value, which I think is a really sad state of affairs. And the other thing being that um, people find it difficult to show their appreciation other than putting a pound into a bucket. 
Do you know what? In other words, I don't know. I think I answered that wrongly when I said that people shouldn't be getting money because that's a crappy, that's a crappy attitude to have. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, if you're doing something, then you should be entitled to money. My issue with is how the money, the source of the money. That's where my, you know, that's where my kind of my issue is, is that if somebody wants to get paid for reviews, yeah, if somebody Mm. wants to get paid for reviews, get yourself paid for reviews, but don't be getting yourself paid by the publisher for the review and don't, you know, because that's just, that's just, that's crappy, you know, that's just, it's just... It doesn't hold up. It never ever holds up. You, you know, you're 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 hurting other people that are trying to maintain their integrity. You're getting unfair questions raised about other people's integrity if you're not clear and if you're not clear about your source of funding and where that's coming from. Right? I don't. I don't watch Lance's reviews. I don't. Why should I? Because you know, and, and that's my choice. And that's how you deal with like certain, you know, kind of certain people. But in order and to some help, some people do really enjoy Lance's reviews, which and is some fine. Like, look, let that. them let them enjoy it. Are they making buying decisions based on that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. There probably are. There probably are some people that will say, "Well, that's fine," because I believe he's thoroughly Well, they must be. I mean, it must have some influence over their buying decisions. It will have some influence sure. over their buying decisions because, at the end of the day, he says, "Well, I'm not willing to cover anything that I don't think is a bad game." But on the other um, side of it, there are a lot of people that are going to be looking at that, and you know, fair play to him if that's how he's managed and he's established and everything like that. I'm not here to kind of like dump on Lance. Lance has got his audience; he's got his built up. This isn't a crap on Lance. Yeah, and Lance does Kennedy. a really good job of, you know, with the video editing and everything. I mean, it looks like Lance is doing a good job at what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that when you say if you're doing something, you should be paid for it. I'm going to slightly disagree with those exact words because I don't think that you should be entitled for, to money just because you do a thing. I mean, it shouldn't be a bad thing to ask for money, but you shouldn't demand money and you shouldn't expect money. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, you know. are welcome to ask for money and say, hey, People, do you think this is worth money? Do you think it's worth your money to advertise on it? If it is, you're welcome to. But by the same token, you shouldn't be thinking, oh, I've made this thing and purely because I've done it, people should be paying me for it. It depends because, again, it comes back to the it comes back to the comparison with every other kind of industry out there. And as I put in the piece, it's like even if you're comparing the likes of, say, you know, Tom Vassell and his review of like say Wingspan that got like I think it was 60 or 70 thousand views my kid watches a channel called Kid City I mean they do like reviews where they go to Chuck E. Cheese and play arcade games and it gets a million and a half you know views every single time and that's just they're not even a well-known channel but the boy's like making he's making money off of (laughs) YouTube kind of adverts and as I say this is why at the end, at the end of it, my, f- you know, there's so many different things to, to kind of talk about, you know, standardization within the industry, making sure that, you know, that people who are starting out, you know, aren't getting kind of, um, aren't getting, I, you know, tar- targeted or 
harassed because of somebody who has got views and has got an audience and is just being, you know, is not willing to actually tell people whether or not they're getting paid for stuff like that. As I say, a, re- a reclassification of the the Kickstarter thing from maybe um, a preview level just is saying, look, this is an advert. And talking I about Kickstarters, I mean, you've done Kickstarters. Yeah. Well, you've done a Kickstarter. Yeah. You've done um, a Kickstarter where you gave away biscuits to yeah, your... Yeah. And then um, people do Kickstarters. I mean, should every Kickstarter fund... I mean, is that correct word? Because, like, I mean, Mark McKinnon of Wreck and Rune fame did Wreck and Rune, and then it didn't manage to fund... But then you've got the question of, okay, what's gone wrong? What am I going to do? Am I going to carry on working hard and building this audience? Or am I going to give up and let it be? Or am I going to change things about the game fundamentally? And I think all of these are valid choices. And Mark kept on going, guys. Now it's a real thing. So, And talking of Kickstarter, yeah. we are going to Tabletop Scotland. Yeah. And you're doing a show on Kickstarter. I am doing a show on Kickstarter because I've spoken to a couple of hundred people that are doing Kickstarter. Do, um, I mean, like going back to your question. Well, going people. Well, going, to your, going to your back to your question about should every Kickstarter project um, fund, um, I think that there, I think there's a lot of, I think we're starting to get to the point where there's a lot of games on Kickstarter that won't see the light of day, that should see the light of day, because Kickstarter refused to do anything about the platform. <laughs> Basically. I feel like... They refuse, to, they refuse to curate the platform as much as they do. They're quite happy to take their 10%, but they're not necessarily... It's this kind of lack of ownership over... It's... It, it's I don't know. You don't want to hear me rant about it, but it's just a lack of ownership of a company that takes a cut or takes revenue from other people, essentially providing the content for that platform, but not doing anything at all in order to help the people it was created for originally. If you know what I mean. Originally, when Kickstarter mm. started, and I was there. At the Isn't beginning. that the way that it goes with every single tool, though? That every single tool that you create is going to be used by um, people who have the financial and time resources to maybe find some expertise and use that tool in its best way. I mean, none of my Kickstarters ever had the final arts work. But usually, it's people. And usually, it's people that I've reached the points where I need to start. Yeah, but usually, it's like most. It's business. like these people that can't afford an art mm. team. And like I'm privileged exactly, that I but do a my lot own of people art. Who need that resource? They can't afford. You're it, absolutely you know? right. But which is there any? I don't you know see what? any way to solve that. I don't see any way to say okay. Um, here the only way to solve that is to go kind of back to more traditional publishing, where I say like championing. Like I saw a game at playtest on Sunday by Mike Harrison Wood which was a two-player, mm-hmm. sorry, it was a four- or six-player game for two teams, and each team has cats and mice, and you're trying to either eat all of the other person's mice, or you're trying to get the mouse all the way over to eat the cheese. And it's real-time, 
and team-based. It's really fun. One person's basically going through all these cards as quickly as they can, trying to feed them to the other person, and then the moving person is allowed to look at the board, but there's no communication and all kinds of moving stuff about, whereas the person who's handling the cards can't see. That was a brilliant game, and I would love to see that be a reality. Now, what it takes, I think, is for someone... I mean, I'm not a big name, but I've reached the point where, yeah, I have a couple of thousand Twitter followers, and so there's clearly a number of people who say, okay, we have some degree of respect for Bez's um, understanding of what's a fun game. And if I say, okay, this is fun then presumably that's going to have some degree of weight. And if I share that with more people, then that might do something. And if more people, like, if shots up and sit down, pick up something and say, this is really good, like Champions of the Wild, then that's going to do a lot for them. Mm. And even though, I mean, you're no one compared to shots up and sit down, for example, but, I mean, you've got a ton of followers and everything. And so if you said, hey, I played this game, and you know what, actually, this is really good. This is the one game for this last five months. I think this one should really fund. And that's like, you're really sticking your neck out there if you do it. But to some degree, if there's a game that you feel this is actually the one that really should fund, that's how things are going to fund a bit more, by other people championing it. I'm more likely to say I support a person as a Opposed to supporting a game. To be honest. I will share. And I have shared. Kind of Kickstarter campaigns. And normally through. Kind of courtesy. But again it's. You know it's, it's, it's coming back to. We're such an industry that's relying on. Kind of internal. Favours and promotion. And and everything like that. And I think that. The, the the fundamental issue for me with the tabletop space is that we look at our, we are judging, and, and I'm going to quote Emma May on this, is that we are judging our year five on video games year 30 and thinking that we should be in the same mm. space. And that is the fundamental issue is that um, people like, I mean, if you take shut up and sit down, you mentioned them. Matt and I said this in the in the blog post. Quinn Smith and Matt Lee's, they've worked their time in video games. They did, um, you know, they worked for you know Matt Lee's did years at VideoGamer.com. They he then went on and decided to leave VideoGamer.com and do his own thing. Shut up and sit down has been broiling broiling about for years. They have done. The time. They've done a lot of time. They looked at crowdfunding and they said, you know what? Nah, we'll not do that. We'll do our, we will do our own thing. We'll provide basically a membership and people can pay that and they get something in respect. So they kinda they jump themselves out of the loop. Um Quinn's and Matt, as far as I'm aware, they do work in consultancy. So they do consultancy. Quinn's was involved in, I believe he was involved in providing guidance on mechs versus minions. He was brought in on a Indeed, consultancy capacity were, in there. So they're, they're Anton Vassal. Exactly. So you can't, you know, it's not that shut up and sit down are kind of miles better than everybody else. They're, they're not even playing the same, the same fucking game that we're playing. You know, if you're looking at that, they're in a completely different league. You know, 
And I mean, not even. But it's not like you can say, "Oh, dar." You know, everyone is approachable. I mean, everyone is fundamentally human. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, these people are demigods or anything. It's, I mean, you look at Tom Vassell, and yes, the person is a bit tall, but these are still walking around, same mm-hmm. as Quinn's and Matt Smith. And I met them at UK Games Expo 26, 17, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And shook their hand and had a conversation and they said, oh, we played your game Yogi, it's good. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really nice to hear. And, um, Mm. you know, the point is that these are people, yes, you have different opportunities. Some people are in the right space at the right time. I will never be able to go back in time and take an opportunity which someone else had. But we can all do things in our own way. We can all be awesome in our own way. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think that saying, oh, this person is in a different stratosphere is kind of idolizing people a bit too much. No, I don't think so. I think their their business savvy is miles ahead of what a lot of people, other people are doing. Through that, with what they've learned by cutting their teeth within the video game industry and stuff like that, and learning, they're not just—I mean, they're not just really, really good at what they do in terms of content. They're really, really good in terms of how they actually run the shut up and sit down brand. I mean, that's that's the long. Look, I'm that's not saying they're not really good. It, you know, I just want for the records. I'm not saying they're not really good. Mm. I'm just saying that you know we shouldn't be idolizing. I'm not people. idolizing. I'm not idolizing. And somebody. we shouldn't be, and. I think that, um, I mean, I am a bit shit at business decisions. I've got, and I've got to approach things in a more business-like manner, I've realised over the past month. Like, UK Games Expo, if anything, has taught me that. And talking of, like, business decisions, like, you are a person who help, who does a bit of consultancy, I've heard, yeah. for getting onto Amazon. And I hear that's a bit of what you do day to day. That's my day, that's my day job. You know, that is my day. That's so, that is um, my look, actual day job. We've never really, we've never really heard much about that on the podcast. And so, let's say if I came to you and said, "Hey, I want to get onto Amazon," um, what would you tell me? Like, I can't talk about it on the podcast either. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, oh, is that actually a contractual thing? Yeah, I can't talk about it. I mean, on terms of the other, in terms of the other things that I do. I mean, I have taken, you know, I've taken this podcast from nowhere in February 2016 to where it is just now. So, you know, in terms of other ways I've helped people, yeah. I mean, social media, um, anything along those lines. I mean, I've helped people with the rule books. I've given them ideas for art. I've talked about mechanics with people. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I've learned over the last couple of years. So, I mean, those are things I have, you know, and would continue to help people with, and um, because it doesn't have a direct con and it's direct conflict of interest between what I'm doing now for an actual job, job, basically. And it's fun mm. because it it, it, like, it ignites my passion would- for design and stuff like that. So it's interesting. Am I allowed to ask you about that? Am I allowed to say, you know, do you? have any enjoyment for what you do for helping people yeah absolutely um, get sold on amazon 
for Amazon, the Amazon side of things is, um, yeah, because it's it's a beast of a it's a beast of a thing to deal with, and there's a there is a big sense of kind of like the clients that I work with I get a lot of help, and they're very, you know, they sometimes need like a, I guess like a guiding hand to lead them through you know, the platform itself and everything that's involved around it. So, yeah, my job itself is very, is very, very satisfying. It's not just a, it's not just a thing for creating kind of money at the end of the day. And it's crazy that Amazon, well, it makes absolute sense. Any industry or any company, when it becomes big enough, is going to have other people, you know, becoming so-called experts on it. So I'm not saying so-called as in you're not an expert in Amazon or Daniel Zayas isn't an expert in Kickstarter yeah. because you clearly are. But I mean, people who that is their job who to say kind of, hey, I know this thing really well. And if you pay me money, I will help you do this thing better because... I'm kind of nosy. I'm, it is a tool. I'm, I'm nosy at the end of the day, Bez. I mean, that's fundamentally, I've always been a curious person. I need to understand how things work. So when it came to like, um, when it came to like the podcast, I kind of did a lot of research on kind of like what would be the best host and how would you, how do you go about growing it and how do you go about getting more people to listen and stuff like that. I, 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 I looked into it and tried to follow kind of like the best, the best practice. Um, I've always been. I'm not comfortable with not with, with the worst situation I can be is putting me in a situation where I can blag it. I could probably blag something quite successfully, but it wouldn't be my most comfortable situation. I like to be somebody who would sit down and research it. If somebody said to me, you know, um, if somebody said to me, okay, as from tomorrow, you know, next week you're going to be working for Panda GM, I would spend the couple of days kind of going through and digesting everything there was to know about their manufacturing process so that when I turned up, you know, within the first couple of weeks, I would be the person who wouldn't have as much knowledge as I could on a kind of a subject. And this is what's happened with the kind of the, you know, the Kickstarter and everything like that. It's not because I'm trying to brag, it's just it's kind of what I do, you know, um... And because you are someone who basically internalizes information and works out how to do it, and yeah, um, like with t- all your Twitter followers and everything, is that an extension of that? That you kind of say, okay, how can I do Twitter really well and do social media really well? Um. Like kind, the same way, yeah. presumably, when you started up your podcast, you really looked into what makes a good podcast. How am I wanting to do it? Should I just do it at certain times? Should I do it as often as I can? Should I do it once a week? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, it was just, I wouldn't go into academic lengths on it, but I just try to follow kind of best practice and what people were kind of doing. You know, I, the main thing, right? Okay, there's two main things if you want to do anything successful, okay, the first thing is to don't stop, <laughs> basically. Yeah. The biggest thing, you know, that I mean, that's, 
you know. So don't give up. Yeah, I mean, the, that's the first thing. And the first thing is to make sure you kind of start something in the first place. You know, if you're, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I, I you know, <sighs> it just sounds weird. I don't know. It just sounds like I'm like bragging and stuff like that. I didn't. Did I know the pod? No, it's awesome. Did I know? It's did fair. I know the podcast was going to get to where it was? Did I? Would I be sitting back in 2019 and saying you're just about to hit episode 300? No, of course I didn't have any idea. I didn't know where it was, but I got an, I had an infect, almost like I had an infection to try and do the best I could with what I had and try and take it to where I, where it kind of was. Is is this show better than any other podcast that's out there? Of course it's not. There's there's you know there's guys that have an amazing like the guys from Polyhedron Collider are million times better. You know, a million times better than what we do here because the what's that's a completely that's a completely different situation. It is a completely different situation. A bunch, the same few people getting together repeatedly, um, having a bit of a banter, and then talking about the games they played. Whereas you are kind of okay. Let's catch up with a completely new person each time. Sometimes okay, this person's been on one, two, three, maybe even four times before. Mm. And uh, but it's like okay, now we're going to find out a little bit more about this person, and like here I am trying to find out a little bit more about you right now, which you know it's completely different to Polyhedron Collider. I mean, I would compare you a little bit more to Ben Maddox, Five Games for Doomsday, where Ben Maddox is interviewing someone, and. Obviously, there is the whole five game shtick, but you are more comparable. But I take that as a whole. Anyway. I take that as a huge compliment because um, Ben Maddox is absolutely fantastic at what at what he at what he does. Um, they've got a lot of time for him, and I think there should be an awful lot more people kind of listening to him and interacting to him and supporting him as well because he is one of these kind of uh, he is one of these voices in the industry that the industry needs <laughs> to be perfectly honest um, I really have a, a lot of time mm. for what he for what he he does um, yeah no, I do really appreciate kind of keeping those episodes fairly sort of brief and sometimes you mess up like I mean and you know you backed Kitty Cataclysm yes and um, I um, I messed up because in the spreadsheet some of the things got lost I'm not very good at spreadsheets Mm. and Unfortunately, your thing wasn't sent, and I need to. I'm actually going to get it to you um, tomorrow. But like, I know you say, "Oh, I don't back for the game; I back to support the person." But in a way, there's yeah. like a little bit. I'd hope that backing, you're backing because you want the thing to some degree. Like, there's the expectation that you're saying that this thing has the value that I want you to make this. And by extension of that, surely you're saying that I would like to have it. And, it's a bit um, it's a bit of both. As I say, I'll what I meant was I'll tweet out about somebody's Kickstarter because I like the person. 
usually because I believe in the person. I will back, you know, if I'm backing somebody on Kickstarter, it's because, yeah, I'm interested in playing the game and Kickstarter to me because there's so many projects and because there's so many that are so expensive. I find myself that I'm not kind of backing as much as I am and I am more selective about what I am kind of backing too, you know? Yeah. Um, so if I think we should maybe stop there, but like if people are interested in what I'm doing, like can you talk through people what Bez is coming up with in the next um, few months? <laughs> um, <laughs> you've got um, Yogi, Guru, Yogi Guru coming out. Um, Flowers and Towers and uh, more Wibble Plus Plus. Are you kind of wrapping up? What's the story with that? Are you kind of wrapping up and putting a line under that and kind of moving on with something else? So um, with Wibble Plus Plus, it's the deluxe version might be the last ever one that I have multiple rules in one box, if you know what I mean. Mm. And because I've realized that from a marketing perspective, it's just incredibly difficult to give people this thing and say, yeah, there are six games in there and it's really good value. Because it is really good value, but it's £17.50. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas for that money, I could be saying, okay, you know what? Let's strip out all of the paper there and let's give you categorical, just categorical on its own. Here's one sheet of paper for that and also one sheet of paper that has links to all the other games you can download online. And then if people really want to have the whole sit down and read through everything, at some point in the future, I'll make a book. But that's it, is it, basically. There's going to be more Wibble++ games. There is going to be a sequel to Yogi coming from Jigamic. There's going to be Flowers and Towers, a rolling right. And there is going to be Plus, which is the... Have you played Plus? No. It's the game with colours and shapes, and then it's vaguely like Wibble in that the more times you succeed, the harder it gets for you. Because each time you win, you get a new thing, and then you have to count more things, so it keeps getting harder. Ah, right, okay. No, I haven't played it, no. But I'd like to. Quick thing before we wrap up. Mm -hmm. Are you you a zombie wizard king? Yes. Okay. I mean, fundamentally. it's It's in my Twitter. It is my Twitter bio. So does that mean that you're not a wizard, but you're a king of wizards? Or you're a king of zombie wizards, or you are all three of those things? I'll leave it kind of ambiguous so people can decide <laughs> which side of the um, pointy hat they want me to fall on, pretty much. Okay, well, if you want to find um, this podcast, then you can go to we're not wizards blogspot.com or places with pod or cast or <sighs> Spotify in the name. Or magic at We're Not Wizards, and there's all the familiar faces, worn out places, bright and early for the daily races, things to see. And you can spread the word, go to Patreon, subscribe. If you're f- feeling very generous, rate it. But you know, people shouldn't rate it 10 out of 10, should they? No. 
because you know that will just make us all big headed. It does, and pe- people shouldn't give it zero because or a negative number. <sighs> I mean, because then it would be like that would just end up with everyone crying. Cuts me deep, and it, <laughs> that would. Um, so I think it should be something in the middle, like um, five. Five. Yeah, because, you know, that's us. We are all average. And Richard is average, and so am I, apparently. <laughs> you're not average. And, uh, oh, you're not average either. And um, I never actually said, if you want to find me, I am stuffed by Bez. But the things to do are twofold. So, firstly, mm-hmm. are we wizards? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are zombie wizards. We are zombie wizards, kings. And, we come from. And all this time, magic, it's not been ironic. Magic's wonderful. It is just a clue. It's just an absolute clue. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, almost 300 episodes, and I've been, you know, tricking you every single time. <laughs> Indeed. Well, that's it. So, all that's left to do is say bye. Say bye, Richard. Bye, Richard. Bye, Richard. <laughs> bye bye. A wizard is never late. <laughs> Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.